Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. Uh, This week, I'm really excited to welcome Carolyn Tucker. She is a healthy aging wellness coach and personal trainer. One of the conversations I've been having a lot lately with women is about the importance of intergenerational conversations between women and recognizing and supporting each other and sharing knowledge the knowledge that comes from our own experiences so that we have some idea and roadmap about what has been and what's to come. So Carolyn, I'm so glad that you are here and that you are with us today. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. Yeah. So you and I had a conversation um, before we started recording and you have a really fascinating story. So tell me your story. How did you get to where you are today? Okay, well, it goes back a few years. Um, So back in my very early 20s, actually at at the age of 20, I moved um, from Montreal, where I grew up, to Vancouver. And they do anywhere near what they do today. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a um, 
struggle to find a way to promote to promote on it on the on the scale that I was excited to do. But I ended up working um, in a, at, at, a, at a YMCA. There was a big brand new YMCA opening in Toronto. I, I worked there. I became the sales manager. Discovered that I was actually good in sales. Worked there for a couple of years, and then veered off for a while into the corporate world. Um, but never lost my personal passion for, for fitness. While I was working at the Y, I taught aerobics and I was working out at the gym and all this kind of stuff. But I did leave the industry as, in terms of employment for a period of time, for a number of years, um, and got really wrapped up in the corporate scene until um, I reached a point where I couldn't be in the corporate world anymore. Actually, what happened was I took somebody suggested I try a yoga class. Mm-hmm. Um, I had young kids at the time. I was working full time. There was no way I could fit yoga into my life. And then my two kids at the same time went off to camp. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go try a yoga class. And pretty much from the very first class that I took, I was struck with some like profound, uh, I don't know, wow experience because it was the first time I really slowed down and my body had this mm-hmm. chance to to like integrate this mind, like, you know, what they talk about mind body, I didn't know anything about that. I was very physically active, but I had never really correlated that with the mind. And then I did this yoga practice and I was like, oh my God. So Mm -hmm. I started to get really into yoga. This was an Ashtanga yoga practice. It was very um, intense and and strong, which is what I loved because I was a, you know, I was sort of a hardcore workout person. And that, and then eventually I found myself like seating on my work. Like I would, I'd slip out of the office in the middle of the day and go take a yoga class and, um, and then come back to work and pretend that I had been out seeing a client for lunch and eventually realized that I was so crazy about yoga and so much hating what I was doing in the corporate world that I eventually said, I'm done. I'm out of here. And I quit my mm-hmm. job that I'd been in for a long time, making six figures for a very long time. And decided, mm-hmm. to, you know, don't even think I knew what I was going to do. I just couldn't do it anymore. That's sort of what happens, I think, when you finally mm-hmm. bring the connection of mind and body together. Yeah, you, that's that's the question I was just going to ask you. Because you used, you talked about your kids going off to camp. And then you talked about being able to stop, right? Yoga, yoga allowed you to stop and slow down. If you hadn't gone to that yoga class and started that practice that allowed you to tune into the mind... Do you think you would have had the same realizations about the impact your work was having on you? I really don't think I would have. That's an excellent question. I don't think I would have because I believe in, and as I work with clients now all the time, this is what I see. People get very mm-hmm. wrapped up in their world and they cannot see the forest for the trees. And it's not to say that my clients are not intelligent or and they're not, um, mm-hmm. you know, like totally together people but mm-hmm. we we're we're being pushed it's like a like a push, we're being pushed like her, the herd in a mm-hmm. certain direction we never really have the time or take the time to stop and say is this what i want is this mm-hmm. what i love is this really what i want to be doing so i think to answer your question i would say no i think the yoga practice was an absolute game changer for me. It absolutely, sl- I, I mean, I had never slowed down. I'm a super high, I'm a high energy 
um, person on a, on, a, on a given day, even after years and years of practicing yoga. So you could only imagine where I was at that time being a full-time you know, worker with two young kids and whatever. And all of a sudden I got into a class where all I was like focusing on my body and I was focusing on my breath. And I started having this relationship with my body in a whole different way that I had yeah. never experienced before, like integrating like my mind into my movement. And I, I was blown away. So mm -hmm. it, it was a quick, it was a quick transition. Yeah. And I think that's a really important place to put some emphasis because I've described it on this show a couple of times as the patriarchal busy box, right? When every structure, when you're talking about those structures that push us into constantly being in motion and constantly being in action so that you can't stop and actually listen to and drop down into your body. With some of the people I've been doing work with lately, I've started describing myself as a stopping coach, which is <laughs> <laughs> a good, good, good title. Great title. Yeah. I teach you how to stop yeah. and actually tune in and listen to what is going on inside your body. Yeah. And to be able to truly listen, you have to be connected to your body. I think you have to be connected to your body, but I also think you have to um, make a, an effort to take the time to pay mm -hmm. attention to what's happening. So for me, on that, on that, in that scenario, I knew I hated my job by the time I went to that first yoga class. I had been mm -hmm. in, I had been doing my job for um, about 14 years or something like that. And I was at the stage when I started taking those yoga classes, I mean, that's what I think, you know, makes life so interesting. I took the, started taking those yoga classes right around the time where it was like, I so badly wanted out of what I was doing, but like, you know, the whole focus of your podcast is about transforming where you're at. Uh -huh. So I was exactly that. I was a couple of years younger than 45. I was the early forties. And yeah. um, so I knew I was unhappy, but it was like, now, but what, like, what do you do about it? That's, I make a lot of money. And I know I've been doing it for a really long time. I don't, I'm not a doctor or I don't have a profession. Like this is, it was, it was my profession, but it was a sales group. But the yoga and the moment, so I, I mean, is it the yoga or is it the mind body connection? I don't know, call it what you will, but it was so compelling and so profound for me that I could not continue. It was worth it for me to make zero funds and get out of what I was doing. Um, and, and so, you know, your whole focus is on bucking the system. And so I bucked the system. And I remember mm -hmm. walking around my office and saying goodbye to people after working with them for however many years. And every one of them thanked me. You're so lucky you're getting out. But you know mm -hmm. what? I'm not lucky. I took a risk. I took uh -huh. the chance. Every one of them could have left. But people feel very stuck where they are. They're, they're, uh -huh. it, it, it's, it's pretty scary. I was terrified. I was uh -huh. terrified, especially financially. We had two little kids. They were both in private school. We were suddenly going to be relying entirely on my husband's income. It was going to utterly change the way we lived our lives. But it was such a visceral stage in my life. It was actually very similar to my need to move to Vancouver. So that was the time when I left my career, I would say, was the second time that I had, like, it was so compelling. I moved out to Vancouver. You know, I should mention, I didn't have, you know, a soul. I went out there completely on my own at the age of 19. 
because I needed to get out of something was wrong with what I had what where I was at at home and I wanted something more to, I knew there was something more to my life but I had no idea because I had never explored mm-hmm. so so my years in Vancouver was my exploration into like known I, I suppose and then and then I took the next big leap of faith when I left the career so I ended up because my, my girlfriend who was the one who introduced me to yoga and said you must go take this yoga class she's the one that said to me you know you should become a yoga teacher well you should know that at the time having been a weightlifter aerobics instructor I mean downward dog was the most painful pose in the world for me and, mm-hmm. and I was not very flexible whatsoever it was, I thought she was crazy like how in heaven's name could I ever be a yoga teacher but I did pursue that and I did my teacher training and eventually became a yoga teacher so that was a whole trajectory in my life that I went through for I ended up I was lucky I lived in a um, reasonable size home with a good size basement and I was able to transform my basement into a yoga studio so that I because I had young kids at home and I I didn't really have a way of like I needed I had to be home when they got home from school so I turned my basement into a studio and I was sort of the new kid on the block and I lived in an area where yoga was becoming kind of popular and I opened up this space and I I taught yoga in my home for about 12 years and then I had my next transition and Mm -hmm. I was like hmm I don't think it's yoga anymore I'm not enjoying being a yoga teacher anymore. I don't, I'm finding this was by now I was, uh, I was probably in my early 50s. I was like, this is starting to really hurt, hurt my body. Um, too much of the same routine. Yeah. And so I still love the spiritual connection, the, the mind-body connection that was not at part of it that I didn't love the physical component of yoga was starting to really wear me down and, um, so I then made my next big move which was my next big trans- transition in my life which was um, to we, we sold our we decided to sell our house and we moved from the north of the city where we live lived to downtown I moved into a small little home where I was going to have no access. I couldn't possibly teach classes if I wanted to. But mm-hmm. more importantly, I wasn't interested. I, I was at this point entering well into my 50s and discovering that my yoga practice had probably done, was starting to do more harm than good from a physical point of view because I was sort of like overdoing the stretching and whatever. And I started to really explore healthy aging movement practices because I suddenly I was that person like everything I have everything I was I have been doing over the last I'm going to say 10 years has been research which is for me first like really trying to figure mm-hmm. out for my body and then sharing it with, with, with other people so I I created a, a um a type of, of a class I mean it was, I still had a practice because I you know yoga is sort of referred to as a practice I created yeah. a practice that sort of had the mind-body connection of a yoga practice, but it was much more integrated with mobility work and strength and um, stability, so that it could balance, so that we could, so that I could support a body that was well into the, you know, midlife. Um, and all there's, and as you enter into that stage of life, your needs and your your physical needs in your body 
really begin to change. Um, but the back to the herd mentality, there's not a lot of like, nobody's really saying, hey, now it is, it's become much more mainstream, but 10 years ago, it was not. Hey, you're in your 50s now, some of those hardcore workouts are not going to be the right thing for you. Yoga's great, but you got to do weight training. You need to have resistance training because your, your muscles are starting to, um, to get to atrophy. You've got to find ways to maintain your muscle mass. So that, was my, that became my next exploration. And I spent about six years um, creating, I, I called the class Yogility, which was yoga combined with mobility, stability, and agility. And yeah. I did that for, for um, I did it in studios before the pandemic, and then I did it online throughout the pandemic. Yeah. And then, um, and it was great. Like I, I was all, all into it. I had, um, I had a, like a really nice following of clients. People seemed to like, if, what, if people understood the concept of what I was, because people, some people are very devoted to yoga and they just want to yeah. do the sun salutations, you know, poses and that's their choice. For those of us who felt they understood that you know their joints were starting to become a little more stiff, whatever they, they were following me in that route, and so I did that for a while, and then about three years ago, um, I started realizing that my, even though I was doing more integrated movements my body was sore all the time. And mm. the area that became really clear to me that was missing was the heavy loaded weight training. Uh-huh. So once again, this thing that I created for myself, I was running a business, I had clients on a regular basis, I was teaching all my classes. And I said, I got to get out of this. I have to focus now on weight training because it is essential for healthy aging subsequent uh-huh. to to this whole new transition i also um did a health coaching program and became a certified health coach and um but i wasn't that interested in health coaching specifically for someone who needed to lose 10 pounds that didn't really excite me uh-huh. what i yeah. really wanted to focus on was um healthy aging because back to me mm-hmm. and I was I was that client who needed to l- understand why am I tired all the time how uh-huh. stress is impacting my life um, you know the, the importance of sleep and all this kind of stuff and so my entire um, focus got reorganized towards making healthy aging the um, primary focus of my business and I work uh, here I so here I am today um, basically, I have clients who I just personal train, but all my personal mm-hmm. training is very much designed to um, support an aging body. Uh-huh. Clients for, with whom I do a combination of coaching and training. So I don't have any just coaching clients. All my coaching clients are also training. So we do, I do a combination right. of both. And yeah. basically, you know, the what became clear to me over the last few years, because I've done so much research to understand the, what, what's required for longevity and well-being, because it's actually a totally different game. It is, uh-huh. it is like, it's like you 
transition out of your 40s and move into your 50s and your and the the stakes the stakes really yeah. change and if anybody would tell you otherwise they're fooling themselves like to maintain like one of the things i really try to say very often is if you're still working out the way you did in your 30s or eating the way you did in your 30s or even in your 40s you are doing yourself a disservice because you're not supporting your your longevity genes because protein weight the three well just management but um, supported through sleep because i do believe that sleep is the yes yeah every, everything is affected by from there so i can't i can't wait to dive into those things with you because i in my own practice i know how essential they are and it's also a super complex conversation right on many levels in the aging world in the in the what it means in the body positivity realm there's so many elements of that that i want to talk to you about and i also want to take a minute and acknowledge your story is so important because it shows that well when you were not afraid to evolve right right yeah and so many of us get stuck in that story of you choose one thing and that's the thing that you do for the rest of your life and you know i was at a university tour with my oldest the other day well a couple of weeks ago now and it was interesting because they were saying in that session that kids who are grad young adults who are graduating from university now will have five to seven different careers not just jobs but careers and you were ahead of your time in all of that and what i'm wondering the question that is coming to me is do you think part of that is because you were so deeply connected to your body and what was it that allowed you to listen to that inner voice that told you no it's time to do something different now because i think so many of us hear that message and just push it down. Like when you were talking about the way your colleagues responded to you leaving, I am having the same reality. I'm living that reality right now because it's, I am just about to hit the button where I am taking a very early retirement. And people keep saying to me, you're so brave. And I struggle with accepting that because I'm not sure that I, that it was a brave choice it was the only choice. Like I was either going to continue do what I, doing what I was doing and not survive it or choose myself. So that's my question. How, how did you know to choose yourself over and over again? Very 
you said, it wasn't like I, it wasn't a, something brave. It was, it was out of necessity. I had to move on. Um, as I've gotten older and wiser and can look back on my life more with more clarity, what I would say is bravo to the young generation who's going to have seven careers. Like I have been, <laughs> I have been supporting that for my children from day one. You know, I have, I have one kid who's been on a pretty straight path, but the other kid has made quite a few different changes in his life. And I'm like all for it because uh-huh. you get one chance at life and, and it's, and it's just, you and I think if you stay on the side of fear and indecision and complacency, you are really doing a disservice to yourself long term because yes, there's going to be the unknown and yes, it's going to be scary, but you don't know what waits mm-hmm. on the other side, right? And so yeah. like, I'd rather be scared and trip up and um, make mistakes and have to divert. And I, and I have, God knows, so many times. But I'd rather have that and learn uh-huh. than stay somewhere in a state of misery. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm the person who wears my heart on my sleeve. So if you know that I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, it's super clear, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that it's a combination of partially a personality thing and then really a, a real, like a, like a real sense of, there's an adventure side to me, which is to say, let's just do it. Like, that's why I love, I travel the world. Like I go places, mm-hmm. like I try to go on big, bad holidays all over the stuff, bad, big, good holidays, because I want to see the world. So that's, I guess that's just partially who I am as a person. And then also just believe that there's so much that we need to explore in mm-hmm. life. And, and what a shame to stop in your tracks and not, and not find out what's happening on the other side like what happens when you cross that bridge what's yeah. what's waiting for you on the other side so it's been and and I'm, and what I could say is like where I'm at today feels the most in alignment for me than I've ever felt in my whole life um I almost in some ways feel like every stage of my life prior to this has led me to where I am at this moment like I do feel that my life experience, I've struggled, I've struggled a lot through, you know, with, with like emotional stuff. And I've had, had deep, deep, deep quality. I've been on a zillion retreats to sort of process a lot of childhood traumas and things. And, um, and that is all coming to light to, as, a, as, a, as a wellness coach, because wellness mm-hmm. is not about eating kale and you know and and just lifting weights it has so many other aspects associated with it and you know Mm -hmm. to be a whole person you we we, we're complex we have many many sides to us so um i'm so grateful from the like you said it was because i Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um and I, i think you you articulated something important in that we think we know how to write the end of the story, right? If we make a change or we take a leap, we we think that we know what's going to happen or not or not happen. And that's what keeps us trapped in the space we're in. 
because our brains naturally, because of that fear response, want to write a story that says that the unknown is more unsafe and it's scary and things aren't going to go well. So you need to stay where you are. So being able to hear that fear voice, recognize it, acknowledge it and say, but the truth is fear voice, you do not know what is coming. And that is, I think, one of the most important ways for people to move out of that fear cycle is is knowing that you can't write the end of the story and there is no there is no end until, you know, like the final, the final yeah. end when we when, <laughs> there is an end. There, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we and there's just opportunity to continue to live. And I, that is where the work that you are doing around wellness um, and aging, I think, is so essential and essential for women at all different phases of their life to know how our bodies work at one phase and how they are going to shift and evolve over time. So the complexities in that conversation are myriad, however, right? So... I will be very transparent and say I have a really strong fitness practice. I work out cardio, lifting weights, yoga, like all of the things every day. And I have a group of women that I coach as well. And the conversations where we started were about motivation. So one of the he, one of the women who was in that group asked a someone had asked her a question of how can you love your body if you are actively working to change it? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And that was a really powerful moment for conversation in our group. And I think it's where some of the tricky intersection between body positivity and body love and the work of caring for ourselves seem to be having some miscommunication, right? So <laughs> caring for our bodies, it's not, it is not the, it's not actively trying to change my body. It is actively caring for my body enough and pouring time and energy into it so that it can function in a way that will carry me through the rest of my life in a way that I want to live. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. So and that's what I think um, is why I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now mm -hmm. more than I've ever enjoyed it in my life because there, with age comes wisdom. Yeah. When you are in your 
mid fifties and beyond. Your motivation and inspiration for exercise, healthy living and eating, and so on takes on I for most of us takes on a different priority. Um, so sure, I would prefer to be on the thinner side, but definitely I would be I'd be totally lying if I said that that doesn't have mostly a motivation. But I can tell you that that's not my why. My why is because I love hiking. I love biking. I love walk, playing with my dog in the park. I love traveling. I love playing pickleball. I have a million different things that I love to do. And I don't want to have anything go wrong with my body that would prevent me from being able to do the things that I love to do, those physical things. But mm-hmm. beyond that, um, back to what you just said, and I completely agree with you, and I feel the exact same way. Um, why, why are we exercising if we're trying to, and why are, how, do we, how do we love our bodies if we're trying to change it? I don't see loving my body as a physical um, manifestation. I see loving my body as, um, as a respect in my body. It's, it's um, in the same way that I, uh, you know that I would uh, that I love my my children and I want mm-hmm. the best for them and I'm going to provide them with nourishing food so that they can thrive. Uh, that's, how, that's what it is for me. So it's a love. I think it's a love for life. I honestly yeah. think that that my mother is a, is an example. She's 93 years old and she still like she just loves life. So maybe on some level, I have you know inherited that passion for living and life and and, and, and just like my life um and my healthy body uh-huh. is a huge component of it so it's a love of love for my body from the point of view of compassion and, and concern for its well-being that that's how that's what that's how i see it and i won't discount the fact that sure if i look if i put on a tank top and you and i look toned and fit that's an that's a awesome bonus but mm-hmm. if I had to choose between toned arms or getting up in the morning being able to bounce out of bed because I have energy if like if, if they if they said like that's what your exercise I'll take the energy to bounce out of bed because I just want to keep enjoying my life I want to mm-hmm. be able to, to do the things that I it's really about doing the things that I that I love to do because I, I I think that I have a client who um, a little while back, she told me that she really enjoyed doing this activity, but she wasn't going to do it this year. She had she had loved in the past pre-COVID. She had loved doing this activity, and she decided that she wasn't going to. It came up this year that she could go back to doing it. She decided she wasn't going to do it. She didn't feel strong and fit enough. She lost her strength like over the course of COVID, like she, she got out of shape. And I said to her, "No effing way! No uh-huh. way! We are not." going to allow that to be your attitude uh, we are going to start to work out and I'm going to get too strong and you're going to get right back out of and the day that she was in my house I had her contact the leader of the program to say that's what happens for a lot of people they're like you know what like I'm I don't my legs my knees hurt now so I can't do this or no 
no, 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 no. It's in our control. We are wellness coach and we have to work it's not easy as we get older it's not you know but the, the that commitment to health and well-being in my personal opinion that's love for your body mm-hmm. that's yeah. love for yourself Yes. And that is the place that I operate from when I am supporting women in that as well. And I have, you know, a similar to your mother, my, so I have long longevity in my family and that my great grandmother and my grandmother both lived into their nineties. My grandma is 91 and you know, I love her. I love her and she is spicy in all kinds of ways, but movement is not one of them. And so I watched her, she did not ever have a wellness practice. And I see the results of that now. At 91, she has a walker, she has all kinds of pain. Moving is really challenging. Like when she came over for, she, for Christmas dinner, we went and picked her up, brought her to our house. But she needed to leave about two hours later because she was like, oh, all of this is just so much work. I'm just so tired. And quite honestly, that is my motivation. Because if I'm going to live well into my 90s, I want to live. I want to move. I want to be able to continue to have all of the mobility that I have. And when you were talking about pain in your client, I think pain becomes a block in so many ways. And we don't realize that it's actually movement that will overcome that pain right. in many cases, in some cases, not like there are instances where it just is, but yeah. yeah but I would disagree with that. I don't think movement okay, is good. I would say that movement is always. Yes. I mean, unless you're too far gone and your body isn't allowed, can no longer do that. But if, if yeah. you're in any way still physically, mobile, then I, I, I think movement is always going to be um, a really appropriate and useful component to, to, to light to healthy aging lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that movement is probably I mean, there, there, it's all important, but I think movement yeah. is probably the most important because um, so many circulatory system and the nervous system and the lymphatic system. I mean, there's so many systems that are affected by how we move. Our, our even our even our fascia uh, uh, is is impacted by just simple things like standing. Like someone who's sitting at a desk all day, if they just get up and move their neck and stuff, they're 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 getting some some movement in their fascia, which keeps the joints less stiff and stuff like that. So I think that mm-hmm. almost I can't think of a scenario where movement would not be an appropriate um, sort of component of, 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 a, of, a, of a healthy mm-hmm. lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love to hear that because I, I agree. So I, as we know, well, I'm almost 46, actually. In a couple of weeks, I will be 46, but I'm heading into not, I'm in perimenopause. So what are some of the oh, twins? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, always exciting. I actually, the other day, I think I had my first hot flash. So that was, that was exciting. 
Um, so every day is a new adventure into like, well, well what's going to happen today? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but what are some of the changes I can expect? So like I said, currently I am, I do cardio, I lift, I lift weights. What are some of the changes I can expect to see over, you know, as I move through menopause and or through perimenopause into menopause? And what are some of the changes that might be that should be on my radar? I'm going to say that the most important thing you need to manage is stress. Okay. As women in general designed to handle stress at a high level. And stress Mm -hmm. means overexercising, high levels of intermittent fasting, taking care of elderly parents, overworking. These things, I believe, you can manage your stress levels, like like pay attention to stress levels in your 40s and become really folk, like really aware of how your stress, because as you enter perimenopause and then into menopause, your sleep becomes severely mm-hmm. impacted for, for a lot of people, right? With hot flashes and, and mood swings and, and like whatever. And so like stress and sleep are, they sort of like, they sit, they sit together holding hands and mm-hmm. one stress will mess up your sleep. Sleep will increase your stress. So though I do believe that sleep is the top priority for health, healthy living and aging, I think the stress component has to be first. We, we have more control to some degree. I don't even know if that's true because I think we have a lot of control over sleep too if we know all the parameters that, that affect our sleep. Um, but I do believe that the stress management is something that we have to really consider, especially for women in perimenopause because you are starting to drop estrogen and progesterone. Mm-hmm. Like they are starting to to go down to a degree, and that your cortisol levels begin to rise. Cortisol is sort of like the, the bully in the schoolyard mm-hmm. and will dominate your hormonal, your hormone levels. The, I guess the issue with that is um, when you've got too much cortisol happening in your body, you start to experience metabolic dysregulation that brings in things mm-hmm. like high blood sugars and high blood pressure and cholesterol starts to rise and that kind of stuff. So I think, though there are so many answers to that question, mm-hmm. I wish I knew, If I, I guess speaking for me, I yeah. wish I knew how stupid I was. <laughs> so I should say that yeah. again. Let me, let me rephrase that. I wish I knew how stupid... I was behaving and how much my stress was impacting my life had, because I didn't know. I didn't mm-hmm. know that a woman who's going into perimenopause and subsequently into menopause is not literally physiologically designed to manage multiple, like high levels of stress. We are just not designed for that. We, we if yeah. for, for evolutionarily, we were staying back at the camp taking care of the babies and the, and the men were out, you know, hunting and foraging. And um, 
So our, we're physiologically, we don't have the equipment that the men have to handle those high levels of stress. And so we, I mean, you see it all the time. You see women in their mm-hmm. 40s and in their early 50s that are burnt out. Yes. We are the we are primarily we're, more often than not, like it or not, we are the ones that are, you know, taking care of the children more, taking care mm-hmm. of the, the the older parents more. We're trying to work. We're trying to you know manage a, and we're capable. That makes that's the other problem. We're damn capable, so we take yes. on a lot, and then we burn ourselves out. And then mm-hmm. when the sleep starts to become impacted, well, that brings in you know, ghrelin, which is a hormone that makes you feel hungry if you haven't slept well. And then mm. you start to gain the belly fat. And women who are in their 40s, who have gotten away with it for years and years, eating whatever they want and never having an inch of fat on their body, suddenly they have this like this belly fat that starts to arise. And it's not because they're, so they start to eat less and they start to right. starve themselves a little bit, work out harder. Hello, more stress. We just, that's uh-huh. like starving yourself is a stress, over-exercising is a stress. So I think that that is, if I had to say one thing that is worth paying close attention to, it's your stress levels and honoring downtime, like uh-huh. honoring downtime, giving, giving yourself the time off to rest your body. Like, even if you think you don't need it, you probably need it. So that's probably when you need it the most when you think you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually... Like that's why I'm, I'm very committed to my aura ring that I wear every day that tells me um, where I'm at from a, from a recovery point of view. And if yeah. it says, you know, you need to chill today, I chill. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I never paid attention to that stuff mm-hmm. in my forties and my fifties. I never paid attention to that stuff, but now I honor it because I have seen, the impact I have not been a good sleeper for the majority of my like adult life and it's had its impact on me, uh-huh. you know? So that I, I think if I had to say something, the, the big thing that you got to sort of be on the watch for is how stress is being manifested in your life. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you got hormones. We, that's, yeah. that's what's happening. Perimenopause and menopause are, are shifts in hormones and uh-huh. our bodies don't, uh, like you're used to you're used to having your the, the estrogen and the progesterone to help you feel feel balanced, feel good, be in a good mood, more stable, manage mm-hmm. your stress, and then suddenly it starts to tank, and yeah. then you don't have that anymore. So I think the stress and is the biggest factor. Thank you. There's so there are so many things you said in that that I. <laughs> we could dive into. Um, but I think that the dichotomy between what we are built to do and our capability is where there is again, that misconnect, where is that, that misconnection happens because the story now that we are told is that you are only a successful woman when you do everything right? When you have a perfect home and you're, you know, you're doing all the right mothering things and you're working out and you're cooking food and you're doing all the things for the holiday and you have a great career and there, it is impossible. Impossible. (laughs) It is impossible. And yet, and yet we continue to try to chase our tail, try to chase the tail of the impossible because of our capability. 
And I think that is something that is important to recognize because I know, like I can hear the voices of some people in my head getting upset about this conversation. And it, we are not talking about capability at all. Yeah, sure. Maybe you're capable of doing all of those things, but how do you feel in the capability of that? And that is the question that so many women don't let themselves sit with is like, but, but how do I feel and what do I really want? Yeah. And if we're honest with ourselves, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking you're, you're making a a really good point. Yeah. That's, I think that's to the detriment of the, of the female race because Uh um, we are damn capable and we do have, the ability essentially to do be really good at our job, be really good at making a nice meal, being really good at parenting. But we're not uh-huh. doing all of them at the same time. Exactly. And what what we end up doing is crash and burn. Yes. So that's, I mean, and I speak from hindsight. I'm not speaking from experience. I was not the right. I did not do it right. I I did did way too much of everything. And uh-huh. and did reach crash and burn on on more than one occasion, a few burnouts, and um and so I I think that there's um back to loving your body, uh-huh. I think that's incredible love for oneself when one uh-huh. says to oneself, I need to rest, I need I need time. That's essentially how I spend as my my coaching business is almost entirely managing people to teach them how to say no yes yeah I spend so much of my time teaching my clients how to say no and honoring their needs because Uh there's something about us women we just don't stop to say okay well what is what what do I want what Uh for me oh you want me to do this oh you want me to go there you want me it's like and then we end up like and we're so stressed out and we can't figure out why we don't yeah. understand why I have this, I live in a, like, I'm not talking about me. Someone might say, I live in a beautiful home. I have a really nice husband. My kids are doing great. And, and you're bloody miserable. Well, because you haven't put yourself on the uh-huh. table. You've put everybody else first, right? So again, I think that's where being a little bit older makes you a little bit wiser for many of us who are, you know, north of 55. Our uh-huh. children are a little bit older. Um, we don't have as many demands on, like we're not dealing with little children anymore. So we do have a little bit more space in our lives. And, and many of us do turn towards focusing on ourselves more. And that's when I feel, um, you know, really focusing on the right movement, uh-huh. practice, the right nutrition, the right relationship, the, you know, the right recovery time. We really that's when we really begin to to thrive and I've seen this now over and over and over again with my Uh clients when we sit down and we go through component after component after component and start to see where the the deficiencies are and where the nourishment is required whether that's physical nourishment or love or massage or the right foods or what or you know appropriate sleep or whatever it is and they Something is like 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 um hydration. 
you know, people are, a lot of people are under, they're not eating adequately. So um, we've spoken on the, in the past about protein mm -hmm. and the importance of protein. So um, like protein is now sort of, it, it's all the rage. I don't know most, if you are in any way paying attention to the health world, mm -hmm. the longevity side of the health world, protein has become like the, you know, a very big talking point. And that comes because that that's really because muscle mass is such a incredibly important aspect of our health because our our muscle is such a huge part of our of our, of our existence it, 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 uh -huh. it it's like a huge it's the biggest organ in our body and from the age of 35 onward we're, our muscles are on the decline our muscle mass is on the decline and it becomes incumbent upon us to retain that muscle. So at 35 and 40 and 45, we may not see the deterioration because it's, it's at a lesser degree. But once you hit 50, it's declining pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Quite a bit to keep it. Like you're not going to likely build much muscle in your 50s and your 60s but you can definitely retain it and then once mm -hmm. you have that muscle that's your talking about your your grandma who's using a walker she probably never prioritized muscle mass because she didn't no. even know that it was something she needed to think about and it wasn't you know 50 years ago when she was in her 40s but now yeah. like it's if you're not consuming an adequate amount of protein and um, prioritizing weight training in your exercise program, loading up your muscles with either resistance bands or I personally prefer heavy, heavy weights. Um, mm -hmm. You are doing a disservice to your body. Maybe not for this moment. You may not feel the impact at 45 or 50, but at 70, you're going to feel it. You're going to mm -hmm. feel it. And that's when the falls happen. And I don't know if you've heard this statistic, but that, that there's a stat from somebody that I heard that said over the age of 65, if you fall, what did she say? Something like 60% um, of people over the age of 65, if they have a fall, will never walk again. Like, wow. oh my God. That's terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. Like you don't get to 65 after 45. You get, there's a lot of years to get yeah. to that 65. So yes. that's why your, you know, your, your, your podcast is, is like sort of is, is directed to the 45 and 50 ish um, population and like you're, you're going to get there. So that now mm -hmm. you've, you've, you've got so much time to invest, put that money in the bank and money mm -hmm. in the bank is eating an adequate amount of protein, getting an adequate amount of resistance training, really prioritizing sleep cutting out as much of the alcohol as you possibly can for, I mean, the processed foods, there's a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Like those, those things are huge, hugely important, but from a longevity perspective, prioritizing muscle mass, I think is, is so essential because it's your energy source. If you yes. don't have an adequate amount of muscle, you are not going to have the energy to do the things you love to do. And you're not going to, and you're going to be my client who said, I can't do this activity anymore because I don't feel strong enough. Well, uh -huh. making, but we're making her strong enough. She's going to play. She's going to go yeah. do her thing because she's got, she's gained 
the strength back to to do what she wants to do. So I, I'm very that that is my passion. If I had to pinpoint a passion, it's like no, 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 no. I don't care how I am, I'm working with a woman who's 75. She hasn't really prioritized fitness. Through, she's like done a little bit here and there throughout her life, mm-hmm. and I'm making her into a little kick ass because she That's wants. Awesome. She's working still full time. She has her own business. She wants to keep doing her thing. She wants to travel. She wants to do her thing. And we can all do it. We just, we have to, we have to be willing to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I was so com- excited about this conversation today. And that's why I talked about intergenerational conversations at the beginning, because if we are empowered with this information at this stage in our lives, imagine how much further ahead we Correct. will be, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Like you said, making the deposits now. Here's a simple um, example. I have a 30-year-old son. Uh He called me yesterday. He said, I'm feeling crappy. I'm feeling anxious. I'm not motivated. He's a writer. I'm I'm not feeling inspired. I don't have my creativity. And I said, tell me about the week you've just been through. He said, yeah, you know, I was feeling really good. So I went out every night. I drank every night. There's a direct, like a direct dotted line, alcohol, REM sleep. Mm -hmm. REM sleep is your mood. It's your creativity. It's your short-term memory. And, you know, it's your power. You have very likely, even though you might have thought you were sleeping all throughout the week, you very likely received no REM sleep. Uh over the course of the last week and that's why you're feeling anxious and that's why you're feeling exhausted and depressed and blah 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 so sunday night monday night he prioritized his sleep he didn't drink he messaged me today he said feel amazing like Uh i've slept really well i feel rested and i'm back and he's 30 years old he's he's at the peak of his life but that's how impactful that sleep component is and you don't get it back you don't get it yeah yeah that is a really that is a very important point you don't get it back and it is possible to change it for going for going forward so yeah so sleep protein muscle mass hydration keep moving Stress management. Yes. Stress management. That's just the reason I'm so hyped on the stress management component is because it impacts everything. So start with stress. If you're experiencing a high level of stress, you are likely going to be impacted by sleep. If you're impacted by sleep, you are likely going to feel more tired, less energy and hungrier. You're going to uh-huh. likely eat more, work out less, and be in a shitty mood. <laughs> right? uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, um, so, so they all like. Uh, though I think that sleep is at the top of the priority list as far as, like, if you had to choose, like, what to put your priorities on, make sleep your number one priority. But you're not going to be successful at it unless you're managing your stress. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a, yeah, they, they all sort of go hand in hand. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I recently had two days that describe this really well. So a couple of weeks ago when we had that beautiful weather, I had slept really well. I got up, I did my meditation, I did my workout, I gave time to myself. I needed to take my grandma to the fracture clinic. I had time to do that. I came home, worked with some clients, went and was able to have some coffee with a friend in the sunshine, came home, a little bit more time on clients, and then had a lovely dinner with my family. And I felt amazing. And I thought, this is what I have been missing my whole life. This gentle, beautiful time for me, time for other people. It's a really lovely balance. And I'm actually living. And then so Sunday, I I'd mentioned earlier, I had done a trade show on Sunday, which was six hours of standing on my feet, pouring energy into other people. And then yesterday, I, and then I didn't sleep very well. And I got up, and I still had, you know, a, a laundry list of things to do. And I found myself at the grocery store, just forcing myself to put one foot in front of the other. And I remembered that that is how I always used to feel. Every day of my life, before I made a decision to put myself first, that is how I felt. Like I was forcing myself through life. And the the discrepancy in those two days was so affirming that to your point of what, yes, I might be capable but I am going to choose what feels good and is in service of myself and my wellness at this point in time. Yeah. Bravo to you. Yeah. I mean, listen, we all have demands on our lives and Mm -hmm. it would be nice if we could have all our days be filled with sunshine and time to go for coffee with our friends and go for a nice walk and, you know, whatever those days, you know, that's awesome ways in our day to mm-hmm. find a few moments to um like you said meditate and you know meet up with a friend have like you, you basically what you did was you took time for yourself you mm-hmm. they you, you had a social interaction with a friend which is always you know like raises your endorphins and makes you feel you know like it's good and, and you're making connections and you your clients and you're putting some good energy out into Yeah. dinner for the last two weeks not my favorite thing to do probably didn't hit my priority my um my protein um limits on every single meal because i couldn't i, I just couldn't do it and so you mm-hmm. go okay well these two weeks are probably not my best two weeks in life but we aspire to we work the best yeah. that we can yeah yeah absolutely Um, Those are wise words to wrap up this conversation on. So thank you so much for your time. I am so excited for listeners to hear this because there is so much really powerful and valuable information in this. So thank you so much. And I'm so glad you're in the world doing the work that you are doing. Lisa, it was a pleasure talking to you. Really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. 
We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.